Hi there. Welcome. Fantasy Focus Baseball, Thursday, May 13th, 2021. He is Tristan Happy Cockroft. Kyle Soppy produces and researches. I am merely Eric Garibel. On today's show, the Seattle Mariners get younger and better. We have more injuries to discuss. What's wrong with baseball? There was nary a no-hitter this week. And then the normal Tristan singing trivia, Ash Browns, you know the drill. <laughs> I, I made Tristan laugh in the first 30 seconds. It's been a successful podcast. Oh, I love it. Yes. No, no hitters. Well, well said. And not only that, you know, a couple of the, the ones we were kidding a little bit about, but half serious just didn't go so well. <laughs> because they're unpredictable. I know, right? Even the best pitchers. It's so lucky. Uh, uh, no hitter is so lucky. It, it, well, yeah, 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 it is right. I mean, like Wade Miley is going to throw a no hitter and induce ground balls. It's luck. It's the but. perfect combination of skill meets matchup meets good fortune. And you know, we talk a lot about good fortune and bad fortune in fantasy baseball. All right, let's get to it. Uh, talking about what's going on this week. Uh, fantasy focused baseball is presented by LinkedIn jobs and the Seattle Mariners are making news because they've called up not one, but two of their top prospects, Jared Kelnick gets the call to play outfield in place of Taylor Trammell. And Logan Gilbert, the big right-hander, is also going to make the start today, Thursday, against Cleveland. Um, Tristan, Kalnick is the one of the top prospects in all of the world. And then uh, Gilbert, who's kind of, a, I think, an underrated pitching prospect. He's got a, a traditional starter's build. I wrote about him today in, in my blog entry and said I really like him, but I also can't tell you he's going to be back in the minors this weekend. So I'm not sure what Seattle's doing with him. But Kalnick's up for good. And our friend Dave Schoenfeld may not believe in him as a future star, as he texted us yesterday, but we do. What do you think of Kalnick, and is he a must-add right now in fantasy? Yes, and I caution not to be among the mad uh, the mad rush to get Kelnick off of your free agent list by getting him in advance of this. Hopefully people will listen to that. If you didn't, yes, I would go all in. This is the, the spend your number one waiver spot. Frankly, Gilbert is too. If you have held those resources for prospects or impact players like this, with the exception of you're in an AL or NL only league and are saving it for the trade deadline. And by the way, we, you and I talk about this a lot. Shame on you if you're hoarding a, a huge amount of, of uh, fab cash. Uh, yeah, go all in on these two. I think they can make an immediate impact. Your caution about them is absolutely warranted there. Everybody should read the column. Um, they might not perform immediately. I, I actually, you mentioned Schoenfield's uh, text string with us i like the fact that he took a stand on not just falling in love with the player when you play this game you should read the scouting reports investigate the player stats where they're at make some of your own predictions and choose the guys you like and the ones that you don't that you think are a little bit overrated you need to actually make a stand you can't just fall in love with every prospect but this is one who i think ken kelnick put up very good numbers and in gilbert's case the Mariners have a very good schedule for pitchers coming up. He's going to get Cleveland in this game. He's going to get Detroit for his next one. They've got a lot of Texas on the schedule there. They've got games in Oakland that are coming up. They've got a couple others in June looking ahead. He's got a month's worth of what are very, very favorable matchups. So there is very well the chance that these two could put forth maybe top 100 fantasy performances over that period. Let's get right down to it. I ranked Kalanick just outside my top 30 outfielders and top 100 overall players. It's really aggressive. I think he can be a five-category option who steals some bases, hits for a decent batting average. I think he's going to be really good right away, but he's a rookie. You never really know for sure. Barely played in AAA, played for a week. Um, Adolis Garcia is the number one most added player uh, uh, in all fantasy and, and an outfield. Would you rather have Garcia or Kalanick rest of the season? I would rather have Kelnick because I feel like the skill set is more complete. And that is, it's a higher floor. Adolis Garcia is a bit more free swinging of the two of them. He gives you a lot of power. He gives you a lot of speed. And I think there are other holes in his game that over the 162 are going to get exploited. In Kelnick's case, he might be a swing and miss guy. We'll probably find that out very quickly. But I do think he gives you strong balance in the five categories. And that's important for us. So I'm just going to read this group of outfitters and tell me if you would take I, – I would take Kelnick over all of them. Robbie, These are all on the most added list. Robbie Grossman, Andrew McCutcheon, Tyler Naquin, Avisel Garcia, Harrison Bader, Raymel Tapia, Cedric Mullins, Randall Grichik. Grichik's the only one I would consider over Kelnick. Do you agree with that? I would take Kelnick over all of them. Yes, and there are a couple who are interesting for certain reasons, but no, I wouldn't take any of those 
over Kelnick. And I think your ranking is about right. The fact that you didn't put him in the top 100 shows that this is not just the falling in love with a prospect angle. I have the same general valuation that you do for him. But now we move to Gilbert. And again, briefly here, because he's readily available. People will be picking him up in advance, certainly in daily formats. Uh, But he went from like 3% rostered to 28% overnight because I wrote the in the Gilbert piece that he was rostered in like 2.9% of leagues. And, and just this morning, it went up to 28%. Yep. Gilbert versus Dylan Cease, who was the most added starting pitcher. Wouldn't you have to take Cease there? Probably because he's got more experience. And to me, that's important. But they are a big contrast to one another in that I think Gilbert, if he carries over what he had in the minors to the majors, good control and solid command. That's something that Cease hadn't had up to this point. By the way, the quick side note for you, I am really mad at myself for not starting Gilbert in labor this this week. I was thinking about it on Monday and I didn't do it. Oh, you have him, huh? Okay. Yeah, I was going to play him this week because remember, I, I had a effectively a dead pitching spot and I'm like, well, you know what? What if they did call the two of them up? We talked about it Monday. I'm mad at myself. I, I'm going to be kicking myself all week for that. Yeah, but Monday, I didn't think that Gilbert was coming up this week. I did. I We knew about Kelnick. But yeah, I, you and I, I debated this. I, I leaned towards, I thought it could happen. I thought it was a long shot, but I should have just gone with it. I'm sh- I'm ashamed. Well, don't be ashamed. I mean, it happens. I made a trade in Tout, by the way. Uh, Tout Nick. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah, I might have gotten taken to the cleaners, but I, I I'm like dead last in ERA and WHIP, and like every league because I have Kyle Hendricks everywhere, Luis Castillo everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this particular league, I'm dead last in strikeouts as well. So I coveted Freddie Peralta on this other guy's team, and I I got Peralta and Charlie Morton. But I had to give up Whit Merrifield, who in that league, um, it's on base percentage. He's not a big on base percentage guy. And I'm winning stolen bases even without Starling Marte. So I thought, okay, it doesn't seem like a fair trade on paper. You know, uh, Whit Merrifield and some fab dollars to get these two pitchers. But these these two pitchers I need desperately. And Merrifield I can easily replace. I have Rendon coming back. I, have, I can move a guy from third to second. And I'm going to get Starling Marte in a few weeks. So I, you know what? It made sense for me. Mm-hmm. But on paper, p- people would say, why are you trading a top 50 player? Freddie Peralta might be a top 50 player, by the way. Like, mm-hmm. we're not ranking Freddie Peralta as a top 20 starting pitcher, but he's in the top five in strikeouts. Yep. His run prevention's good. He's going to end up with, like, at least 12 wins yep. and 200 strikeouts if he keeps this up. Probably. Peralta, the, the, the cap on the innings could h- hinder the, the wins, but I see... I see the path you're talking about. I I'm love Freddie Peralta. Freddie Peralta is really good. It's a lot mm-hmm. of strikeouts. I could have had Muncy, but I needed Peralta more. So mm-hmm. there I did it. Uh, nothing, you know, wrong, nothing wrong with that deal. The only wild card is the, the fab in that it's, I didn't it's need very, it. yeah, but yeah. it's a variable, you know, and especially in your league, I would argue the fab is much worth much less than it is in the only leagues. Uh, yeah. We have a thousand dollars. I had spent nothing. Uh, let's mm-hmm. move on now to stuff that people can use. Mm-hmm. Um, Jake DeGrom lands on the injured list. Um, Right side tightness, they say he's only going to miss one or two starts, but we've talked about this quite a bit, so we probably don't need to get into it more. But he's just not going to make as many starts as Garrett Cole, Shane Bieber, um, Trevor Bauer. So I did drop him out of my top 10 and to my number four or five starting pitcher right with Darvish. Do, do you do the same? I, I, yeah, for the most part. I mean, I take him out of the top 10 and I would consider him the low end of the top three, but. I'm not ready to go down below the Darvish ranking. If Darvish is and, and if Bauer's my four, I'm not putting him below Bauer yet. Okay. Um, an injury. Here's a couple of injuries that scare us. Zach Gowan, UCL sprain, which generally leads to Tommy John surgery, but they're saying it's a very minor tear in his elbow, and they're going to try rest and relaxation, just like all of us, for the next week or so. And I know you and me, and definitely Schoenfeld, we've got this guy in leagues, whether yeah. it's fantasy or sim. What are you doing right now with Zach Gowan, other than just you know stashing him on your injury list? But are you expecting 20 more starts out of him or not? I lean towards no, because I hate hearing anything related to tear and UCL in the same sentence. I, I think this is being smart, taking a month off for him. Arizona, I, I mean, maybe they consider themselves wildcard contenders. I don't see it. So I'd, I'd lean towards the conservative side. And by the way, he's not... I, I think at his best, he's not truly a Cy Young, clear, locked-in, top-10 fantasy starter. I think the appealing part of him is that he's probably, with 30 starts each year, going to hit the number 20 fantasy starting pitcher ranking. He's going to be right there. Not not much lower, not much higher. Mike Soroka, they're going back in on that Achilles. I'm starting to think we don't see Mike Soroka pitch at all this year for Atlanta, which is 
awful because he's a really good young pitcher. And, um, and we know we can really use him in fantasy and I like watching him pitch. And we actually know a guy who knows his father, but, um, I don't think we're going to see him anytime soon and maybe not all year, you know, the Achilles tear, when you come back, like most people come back, you know, it's seamless. You don't even notice it. This one, he had a setback and Atlanta has picked up other starting pitchers. You know, when you sign, did they, who did they sign? Was it Rourke? Tanner Rourke. That I was like, that's weird. He stinks. And then I'm like, uh Oh, this is why mm-hmm. this is why. And they're still going to win the division. The only reason that they might be doing that is they could be adding arms to eat innings, hoping they'll make trades for relief pieces. But I see your – I agree with you. And I am worried he doesn't throw a pitch for them this year. And I think it's an absolute shame. By the way, we should go back to the the kids just for a second here. I mean, Seattle, Mm -hmm. recall that Seattle still has other prospects. I don't think we see them this year, as I wrote Mm -hmm. in my column today. You know, a better starting pitcher prospect, Julio Rodriguez – People argue is a better prospect than Kelnick. I don't yep. think we see them this season, but um, we should do this every once in a while. Who, who, who are the next prospects? I do think Wander Franco. Yeah, I think it could be this month. I mean, they're sure really Adamas is doing nothing offensively, defensively. Wander Franco is better. There's no question Wander Franco is better. Yeah, um, Bobby Witt. If if Mondesi is you know the same as Soroka. I think Mondesi's coming back soon. He's already on a rehab assignment. or He, he began the rehab yesterday with double A, yeah. So I don't think it's the same thing. I think Mondesi will be back in probably the end of the month. But like if he had a setback and he was out for two months, they could call Bo- they call Bobby Witt Jr. and play short. You know, that's yeah. something there. So th- tell me, in an ESPN standard league where we're telling people to pick up Kelnick and Gilbert, are there any other prospects in the minors that you would tell people to add right now for this season? Yeah, Franco for sure. I would make the case for Mackenzie Gore as well. Beyond that, I I think just because of the structure of our game, I can't justify any other prospect. I I, I you know I see what you're saying about Wit. Wit hasn't had an extraordinary start in Double A, and remember, it's his first real test at a high competitive level like that. Um, I'm not quite there at that point with him. All right, let's talk about some of the better players over the past week. You wrote about Brandon Belt, and actually, so did I. And I think it's interesting here. Like he's kind of selling, he's striking out, he's selling out for power, but it's working. This is going to be his first 20 home run season and maybe a 30 home run season. Do you, are you buying? You're obviously buying because you wrote about him, but like, are you, are you surprised at what Brandon Belt is doing? I'm surprised he has been healthier and more available to the giants over the past two and a half years than I really thought he had missed more time than he had. So maybe that's a turn in the right direction. Remember, he had the concussion pattern about four or five years back, had a very difficult time just staying on the field. And I think this is great. I mean, he he really has embraced the power part of his game. And the fact that the Giants moved in the fences a little bit does give me that optimism. I'm with you that he could hit 30 home runs for you. Speaking of 30 home runs, what are you doing with Jorge Soler? Because before he had that homer at six RBI game, he had a homer in five RBI for the entire season. Still batting only 200, striking out a lot. Um, this is a guy, this, I think at some point soon, I'll be writing a blog or we'll be talking about it on the podcast. Players who went off in 2019 who mm-hmm. are never going to do it again. And I think yeah. we, I can't remember who it was, but we talked about, about somebody on Monday's show who, who had amazing 2019 numbers and they're just not getting it done right now. Josh and I'm thinking, Bell. that, no. <laughs> No, <laughs> no, it's true though. I mean, he did have that amazing, you in know, one month, first... one month, You're... Dominic Brown. Well, in fairness, they're not even close. They're not. And you're a little Josh too Bell harsh is... on Josh Bell, but he has I... been, I've watched Josh Bell. He's, I have, he's... he's been dreadful. Right. It's unfair to Don Brown to talk about. Josh no, he's, <laughs> he had, he had more than a hundred points of OPS on Don Brown. They played the same number of years and he had 34 more home runs. They're not they're not the same. And and Josh Bell did have like four or five other decent to very good months. But I, I see your point. He's been a disaster since the 2019 All-Star break. And at this point, you got to move on. You got it. I don't know why you would roster Josh Bell right now. Anybody. And then only yeah. you have to if you're stuck he, with him. But like, yeah, he, you know, he's going to split time with Ryan Zimmerman. Anyway, Solaire. I, I, you know, there's, there was a third one too. I think that you and I had talked about, but that's the first one that came to mind. That wasn't the guy that came to mind for me because I, I've already dismissed him. I dismissed him. Yeah. You know, you remember I did a year ago. Yeah, yeah. 
I know you think it's more than one month. I don't think it is, but it was um, definitely. I looked it up. It's more than one month, but it was one amazing month, like MVP caliber month. Right. It was a better month than what Don Brown ever had. Um, Tyler and Naquin, the other months were way better than what Dominic Brown ever had. But Dominic Brown, man, we don't want to go back there. Tyler Naquin, go ahead. I wrote about him the other day. Do you agree that this guy could keep it up and maybe hit twenty five home runs? Yeah, and in his defense now, I don't. I do think that he's great in ESPN leagues because you can avoid a lot of the tough lefty matchups. I love doing that in our game, so you maximize his value. But the Reds are getting creative with their defensive positions. They they showed that already by making the Jonathan India to second, Mike Mustakis to third, and an Eugenio Suarez to shortstop move. They're now pulling Nick Senzel into second base because India is not hitting and he's not defending all that great anyway. And that opens up center field pretty regularly for Naquin. I'm with you think- on that. I don't think people realize how hard it is for first year players to come up from the minors and, and perform. I mean, Akil Badu, okay. is not the same obviously as Jared Kelnick, but Badu was overmatched. Jonathan India overmatched. Most rookies, hitters or pitchers struggle right away. And by the way, I'm far more likely to roster a rookie hitter than I am a rookie pitcher because, you know, they don't have to deal with the caution on their innings and their pitches per game and all that. I mean, for all we know, Gilbert, Gilbert's only allowed 60 pitches tonight. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe, you know, they'll Michael Kopech him next week and for the next three weeks. I, you know, you don't know. Or Luis Patino. You don't know what they're going to do with pitchers. But for hitters like Kelnick, just bat him fifth every day. That's yes. not the same. So I'm don't do the like, Andrew Vaughn. Don't do the Andrew Vaughn in April. Please, no, Mariners, don't. Do and by the way, Vaughn homered yesterday. And Vaughn looks, you know, I watched a little of Vaughn this week. And it's it's it's, it's like watching Alec Bohm. Like, mm-hmm. These guys are going to be good, but Bohm has already been up for a year. So mm-hmm. it's like even a year later, these guys struggle. Yeah. Bohm's going to hit. Bohm may end up this season at like 20, 18 to 20 homers and 260, but he's going to be good. He just hasn't hit for power yet. But do you think we as a fantasy community are realistic enough about these prospects? Because when you mentioned Bohm, Vaughn, and then Jonathan India, I think people's optimism exaggerated the power ability of these three players. They're not true big-time power hitters. I mean, Bohm was a little bit more contact-oriented last year. Vaughn, as well, in the minors, didn't put up the, the kind of numbers that suggested he break any rookie home run records or even challenge for them. And in, in Jonathan Indian's case, I, I talked to... By the way, there's another Tristan in my league, and he and I took all the shares of Jonathan Indian in, our, in ours. And we were talking about trades with him. He had another one going on. I remember thinking he's not one of those elite power prospects. He's just not. And I'm not totally shocked to see him not get it done right now. And I'm not shocked to see Vaughn not put up big power numbers. You think we are just too optimistic? I think a year ago with a different baseball, it was more realistic to talk about young players hitting for power. And Alec Bohm has seen it with a good baseball and with a bad baseball. And now you're seeing some of these guys. It's, it's not just Kevin but, but Beach hitting he? baseball soft. What is Bohm's power ceiling? I, I told you a year ago that Alec Bohm was Nick Castellanos before this year's Nick Castellanos. 25 homers yeah. every year, yeah. 280. That's okay. what Castellanos yep. has been every year. Yeah. So that's what Bohm will be. I still want to invest in Bohm. Somebody tweeted us, would you rather have Bohm or, or Brandon Belt? I'd still rather have mm-hmm. Bohm, but be patient. You know, and I know it's hard after six or seven yep. weeks, but be patient. Um, yep. Let's uh, not be patient with combo meals. It's time for it's time in the show for Tristan to sing a song. Hey, it's a combo meal. Combo, combo. It's a combo meal. Home run plus steal. These players were making moves earlier this week and making moves is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Build your winning team today. Go to LinkedIn.com slash sports. Jared Walsh, who might just be my favorite player, uh, had a combo meal on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> David Dahl did it on Tuesday, and that was it for the week. Um, we've talked enough about Walsh and our and how we believe. If By the way, if Walsh finishes ahead of Matt Olson on the player writer, you owe me dinner. Um, David Dahl. Yes, I do. I do. Right I'm now. on board with that. You're right. You know, and by the way. You laughed at me, and, you know, it's. It's okay. I, I laughed at the discounting the ceiling of Olsen's homers, but you are still right. I get you dinner if he does. And by the way, kudos to Jared anyway. Walsh. He's kept up the immense plate discipline improvement he showed last year. That was really the only question. He has kept it up. Way to go. I mean, there's some Babbitt stuff going on there. He's not a 330 hitter, but uh, – and David Dahl, I don't think we should waste our time. I, I, do you want to talk about David Dahl? I don't really want to talk about David Dahl. I've – Never really wanted to talk that much about him. I've always felt he yeah, was overrated. I, I, I'm I, sorry. I, it was only it was Coors Field stuff. All right. Um, he's, a, uh, he's a useful guy in the deeper leagues, but I just didn't never there were people on the star path. I don't get it. So Alex you know. Wood, 4-0, beat Texas, looked good doing it. Not Easy throwing all that hard. 
Easy schedule. So is this a squeeze the orange guy by your definition? I mean, mm-hmm. basically, you look at the schedule. They still have well, Miami twice, Kyle twice, Texas. That's who he's already faced. So yes. it doesn't get easier than that. Right. And and he could follow the Hyunjin Ryu path to renewed greatness. That could happen. I don't want to discard the guys with injury histories, but he is probably going to spend the rest of his career juice the orange guy for me because of the injuries. Here's an interesting thing I didn't notice. Thank you, Kyle. Jordan Montgomery, OPS by trip through the lineup. First time 717, second time 701, third time 673. Is that just noise or is there something there with Jordan Montgomery that I'm just not seeing? I think it signals more that there's something there. We talked about him with the comp with Sean Manaya, and I said, I think his raw stuff has the ability to miss more bats than Manaya does. And that was a good outing. I'm watching each and every one of his pitches there. He's He's got better movement than you think he does, a good variety of pitches, and he knows what to do with them. I like him. I think he's still a buy low. All right. Uh, Matthew Boyd, what's it going to take for me to be interested? <laughs> it's a low BABIP, but uh, he's... It, and according to Kyle, third and fourth place hitters are six for 38 off them. Only eight strikeouts, but still that's, mm-hmm. so maybe that's a little bit of luck there. Um, but six plus innings and five of his past six starts, not a lot of strikeouts. We expect more strikeouts. Yeah. That before. surprises me. Um, so answer Walker, your own question. I, it's a good question. I'm not there yet. I don't know what it's going to take, but like if he was striking people out, if he was Robbie Raying people, then I'd be different, but he's not doing that. Right. And Robbie Ray with the, the improved control, that's another that change, you know, that, that, that alters the opinion of him versus Boyd. The, the problem I have with Boyd is that he showed us that greatness. It, I think it was 2019 with an amazing first half and then a catastrophic finish to the year, like unusable, Taiwan, the final two months. Taiwan Walker just beat Matt Harvey. Um, he looks good. You know, like Harvey is, it's a shame because he was so good. And then he just it, health, right? Yeah. That's yep. all it is. Yep. But Taiwan Walker is healthy and good. Yeah. And I am kind of buying. And, and what, what's it going to take for Walker to enter your top 20 or 25 starting pitchers? I mean, he's, the way he's pitching, he's, he looks deserving of it so far. I'm not there yet. More I'm Ks. Tough. I want to see more Ks. I want to see more Ks, and I want to see it consistently. I want to see it going into the month of June. But I am impressed, and I agree with you. I think he's made some tweaks. They're subtle, but they have elevated his, his fantasy stock by a good amount. Uh, you want to sing the closer carousel? it's the closer carousel and by the way you can decline when i ask you to sing a song but you really <laughs> would be disappointing the the, the the dozens of you listeners to this show and i don't think you want to do that. you don't want to disappoint anybody the day they tell me to shut up with the songs i won't shut up well maybe i will we'll see i, I haven't decided yet. Uh, I, I enjoy the closer carousel one i don't know <laughs> I watched Brad Hand give up a homer last night. Now, he doesn't give up a lot of them, but he gave it up to a lefty, and we're not going to talk about the guy he gave it up to, but he doesn't look good. And in the Yankee series, he didn't look good, and I, I just don't think he's good. Yeah. So who's next? Is it Daniel Hudson, really? Is, who's going to get more saves? I think you can ask. More saves rest of the year, Hand or Hudson? Uh, hand, just because I... <laughs> but they don't have to use him. Like, it's not there's no loyalty factor. It's not Kenley Jansen. And he's on a one-year deal, right? So they can do whatever they want. In a little bit of fairness to him in the Yankee series, one of the games, there was a boneheaded move keeping him in there. He was facing Mike Ford. I still didn't get it. Mike Ford hits lefties, so and, and his pitch count was way up. And then he came in the next day. So could have been a little bit of a fatigue thing going on. I agree with you. I'm not all that impressed with Brad Hand's stuff. But with Tanner Rainey not really doing that great behind him, it's not like they have overwhelming depth to replace him. I still think Hand's going to get respectable numbers. I thought yesterday was going to be the first Tyler chat would save, but then it was AJ Cole instead. Yeah. How about that? There's a lot yeah. of interesting stuff going on there in Toronto. <laughs> I love how Kyle's little window lights up the minute anybody mentions Tyler Chatwood, you know, <laughs> You're throwing him a bone here. You know, Kyle, for the people that are new to our show and uh, who would be new to the show, but like, what is your, what is your infatuation with Tyler Chatwood? Please explain. I just think he was very underrated in Colorado. And then he goes to the Cubs. And nobody was willing to rank him well. And, you know, that kind of paid off. And he was He's just throwing strikes away from being great. And I understand that that's kind of a big deal when you're a pitcher. That's like saying you can't swing a bat, but if you could swing a bat, you'd be a great hitter. And if I was six foot six, I'd be a great basketball player. I get it. But this guy, like, I don't want to guy, your infatuation. I don't like... want to use the word special, but he's, he's very, very good. Through 13 innings, I think he's shown that this year. He had like a 13-inning stretch last year where he showed it. I get it, but he's fun, and he's striking out people. He's white. He, 
more than six strikeouts per walk this year. Like it's fun. He's awesome. right, so is is he your your second cousin or your wife's second cousin? I'm trying to figure out which there is no he's related to you. I do, tell me I'm wrong. I play in a saves wrong. plus holds league. <laughs> I play in a saves plus holds league. Would you not have him rostered? In a saves um, plus holds league? league? Okay. Elite ratios? My, let me let me put it to you this way. If we did a top 20 ranking for projections of saves plus holds the rest of the season, I think he might make it, but I don't know if he would. I mean, there's gonna there's at least 10 closers that we think are getting 30 saves. Sure. And there's at least 10 relief pitchers that I think are getting 25 holds, and he's not on either list. So I, I think it's hard to talk about him this much. Tristan, break the yeah, I didn't bring him up. I even put him in the note. <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> We're throwing you under the bus, Kyle. <laughs> I'll tell you this. When he does get that save to break the over-under that I said, oh that I just, I just poo-pooed podcast. that. Live Three and a half. Podcast. When he gets his fourth save of this season, I'll tell you, he's got to I mean, send you the autographed baseball from the game where he got it. i yeah. got to reach out to him and get him get that arranged. You're like Here the, the president of the fan club. Other right-handers that aren't getting saves right now, okay? Because th- this this brings it back to relevancy for this show, okay? I, I, don't, I don't know why we want to do that. But, like, Giovanni Gallegos, Tyler Rogers, like, uh, Sergio Romo, Lucas Sims, okay? He belongs in this conversation. Mike Mayers, who's clearly next in line now for saves in, in L.A. Um, Trinan, like, does he belong in that conversation? If you're If you're looking for the next guy to get saves, Tristan, would you rank all those guys ahead of him? David Bednar, I guess, belongs in that conversation. He'd be next if Rodriguez gets traded. Yeah, I think the the one that you've thrown me on out of that group was Sergio Romo. I actually don't think Sergio Romo's a factor for me. Um, would I rank him ahead of those? Probably, I'd probably rank most, if not all, of those ahead right. of. Chad. I probably would I rank Dylan Floro ahead of him too. Yeah, Floro is clearly the top setup man now for Miami to Yimmy Garcia. Um, are there any other situations we need to discuss? Colorado doesn't have a closer, I, I don't think. Daniel Bard was bad again yesterday. They don't get any saves opportunities. I think you can yeah, what's, avoid... Do you think they make a switch there? He really has been bad. I, would, I, don't, I don't know how he'd be able to tell. They never get a save chance. Well, that's true, yeah. <laughs> they haven't had one all month, I don't think. And they won't have many for the year because they're not going to win a lot of games. And when they do win, they win, you know, 8-2, to two, and they just score all their runs in one game, and then the next day, of course, they score one run. It's it's a weird team and a bad team. Detroit, oh. are you still avoiding Detroit, or is Soto yes. your guy? No, I'm still avoiding Detroit. I just don't think Detroit's going to pile up enough wins for it to matter. I mean, Soto, if you have to pick a guy from there, just because I think the stuff is the best of the bunch. The other I wanted to ask you was uh, comparing Oakland's bullpen to Seattle's, where it's starting to trend towards Lou Trevino being used for higher leverage than Jake Diekman. I think Diekman's the closer. Trevino's the setup man, but he'll get a couple saves. I don't know what Seattle's waiting for here. Montero's bad. He shouldn't even be next in line for saves, but they but don't I think, have a next in line. So Graveman has to be their closer by now, isn't he? I, I think they're trying to reserve those guys for the highest leverage situation. I mean, it just happens to come in in the eighth inning to get outs two and three and even the first and the ninth, and then they bring in the other guy for the easier part of the lineup. So be it. But I'm with you that those are the ones I would be investing in, the better arms of the two. Thursday's schedule uh, has an ESPN Plus game at 8.40 p.m. Eastern time. It's Luis Castillo at Coors Field. I sat him in two weekly leagues. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm scared. I mean, he's pitching poorly in good ballparks as opposed to a hitter's park. Yep. So uh, I'm sitting him down, but uh, I'm hoping he figures out whatever is wrong with him and gets going. Um, I, I want to ask you about Chris Flexen because it's a weird stat line on him. The ERA looks a lot better than the whip. He shouldn't have the ERA he does, but he does. And he's facing Cleveland. Um, it says here, well, he's not facing Cleveland today. It's Friday game. Yeah, we have them. So he's them. moved mm-hmm. to Friday. But is there anything there for you? It says here Gilbert's pitching Friday, but he's pitching Thursday. Uh, Flexen, yep. anything there for you? Is he a potential top 70 starting pitcher for you? No, but he is in the matchups category, and this Cleveland matchup is a favorable one. Also, if they manipulate the rotation, the Mariners go six men deep traditionally. So that means Gilbert's going to get the last game of the Detroit series, flexing with pitch in San Diego, the one series I don't like coming up. That's an avoid. So you can see the direction I'm going. I'm going to look at each one with scrutiny. Jamison Tyone, how long do you stick with him? I will continue to be patient. I was actually going to try to make the buy low case a week ago. The underlying metrics say he's better than you think. My bigger concern about Tyone is he won't get you the volume to be significantly fantasy relevant. I had a trade offer of Mike fulton uh for Austin Nola, the uh, the Seattle catcher. and Or now he's in San Diego. 
and I turned it down. Did I do the right thing? I have catching depth. Um, I just you were gonna get faulty. I was gonna get faulty, and that was in tout, and I ended up trading for Morton and um, the other guy instead. But like, I just I looked at Fulty's numbers, and I'm like, I oh, no, I just don't believe it. I don't, yeah. I don't buy it. I might yeah. be wrong. Was no, I wrong? I agree with you. Okay, I I wouldn't have made that deal either. All right, and Nola looks terrible, by the way. But I'm gonna, you know, in that league, I'll keep him around. Friday night on ESPN Plus, Sandy Alcantara, Clayton Kershaw. Um, Alcantara looks pretty good uh, so far. Um, not the strikeout rate we want, but he looks good. He's at Dodger Stadium against a good team. Max Muncy, really good. It's all walks and homers at, with Max Muncy right now. Would yeah. you use Alcantara there? I would. Yeah. I mean, it's a scary matchup traditionally. Um, forecasters taking the history for that team and showing the downside of that matchup, giving him just an average grade, but the Dodgers have been inconsistent and Alcantara's skills number justifies for me. Yeah. He's a yes for me. Uh, Nick Pavetta, his numbers are really fortunate. I'm not saying that because he's a former Philly and I'm rooting against him, which I'm not, but like you look at his ERA and he doesn't deserve it. Griffin Canning is facing him at, at Fenway. Who's the better DFS play there? I really want to give you Nick Pavetta's okay, but he's on the the COVID vaccine effects IL for a day. And I, I that makes me worry a little bit. What what if he gets scratched? What if he's put on a pitch count? What if he's just not still quite a hundred percent? I'm gonna fade Nick Pavetta for the start. But for the in general, I'm fading him for the season. Are you buying? Yeah, no, and I don't blame you. I mean, the, the LA matchup is not a favorable one for him. I would I would avoid any matchup that's remotely scary with him. And Rendon could be back for the Angels for those of you in daily formats. And finally, Tyler Anderson facing his former team revenge game against the Giants. Tyler Anderson's been really good. We talk about him a lot because I have him in labor and I can't activate him. But at some point, we're going to have to believe in this, aren't we? Yeah. Home game facing a lineup that at least, to, well, you know, I mean, you got Longoria and Posey. I keep thinking of uh, the lefties in that lineup. And actually, it is leaning a little bit more right-handed. I, You know, that that's like an NL only if I need to go for volume play. I'm not excited. But yeah, I could I could see your point here. Saturday, ESPN Plus has Mets raised Joey Lucchese and Shane McClanahan. I think you'd want McClanahan there. Uh, and then Cole Irvin at Minnesota. Cole Irvin mm-hmm. keeps pitching well, and Barrios generally pitches well. But are Cole you Irvin, using him? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't. I'm not, I'm not buying yet on Cole Irvin, but I know a lot of people are, and I could be wrong. And I hope it's not because of his Phillies angle. I, I think I just look at his numbers and I'm like, not 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 the hardest throwing lefty. It's a road game. Uh, you know, I, I'm just not in. My, I, anyway yeah and i don't know what the twins fall into the american league's version of the dodgers where i'm not quite sure what to do about the matchup the numbers say avoided at all costs but they've been very inconsistent my the scary part here he's lefty and they have guys who really thump left-handed pitchers i i'd fade irvin I, i'm not using him here how about luke weaver i feel like we've been here before with luke weaver last no out way. Is good no way you're not either you know it no way Oh, I never was, but you, I think, were in the past, which is why I bring his name. Yeah, up. like his Cardinals days. <laughs> All right. So no on Luke Weaver. <laughs> no, no. Right. Uh, what about Luis Garcia, Houston? His last outing was pretty good into the sixth. Then he gave up two solo home runs. He's facing Texas and Dane Dunning, who, by the way, might be a decent option. Yeah, actually, on both sides, they both could be pretty solid plays. I think they're comparable to one another. I like the home game against Texas. I'm giving on Garcia the edge and I would start him. Yeah. And I'm in on Adam Wainwright in general, but at San Diego without Tatis, without Myers, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That's by the way. Yeah. Like putting in the new lineup for San Diego for the forecaster grades. They don't have a lot right now. They don't. Sunday night baseball on ESPN has uh Kwang Young Kim of St. Louis, who just never gives up runs at San Diego's Ryan Weathers, who I don't th- think they'll allow to go deep into that game. Cause they never tend to probably a combo game with Denelson Lamette. Probably. Yeah, it's hard to roster Lamette this way, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was, what, 38 pitches or something the other day? Two innings? So careful with him. Like, can you can you make the case for Denelson Lamette as a top 50 starting pitcher in fantasy if they're going to continue to monitor his innings and pitches this way? Not if they continue to monitor them this conservatively. No way. And, I, I mean, I just had somebody try to trade me Denelson Lamette, and I'm, I, I love the guy's skills, but I'm terrified at the volume. I just don't think it's going to be there. I agree with you. Uh, Oscar Anoa and Freddie Peralta strikeout machines on a, on Sunday, Atlanta and Milwaukee. Um, we're all in on Peralta, obviously, but Anoa, I think we discussed last show. You gotta have to, you gotta be in right on, yeah. the, on Anoa. 
As a matter of fact, Milwaukee, despite being in the hitter-friendly Miller Park for this matchup, grades as pretty noticeably favorable for Inoa. From a matchup perspective, this is a good one. Yeah. All right, our friend Kyle Sapi's a good one. He comes in now for Hash Browns and Trivia. I appreciate that, Eric. You're going to kill Chatwood, but you build me up, so that's really all we need here. I'm not killing him. I'm just, I think there's a, a meaningful conversation to be had about him, but no more meaningful than, say, Trevor May or Sam Coonrod either. But if he gets into that situation where we're talking about him as a potential holder and backups closer, yeah, there's relevance. If he keeps pitching this well, we know we, yeah. we know he can do it. I just your infatuations mystifies me. But let's let's get to the other stuff. That's a new Carabao word. We'll have to put mystifies in there. He's got myriad <laughs> of saves so far, but that's going to change. Myriad save. Myriad save. Not myriad save. You're going to have myriad saves. Whatever. You use like four words and I missed it up. Yeah. When you say myriad, you can't use of after it. I'm very very okay. particular about my language. If I work with you long enough, I'll get this English language thing down. Uh. You should be so unlucky. Okay, what have we got? <laughs> We're going to start with some trivia here. We've got two pitchers that already have at least six quality starts but are not striking out a batter per inning. I want you to name those two after we help out the nice Twitter verse with uh, some hash browns here. Dylan wants to know if there's any cheap speed guys you like long-term, ideally that won't tank him, tank him in other areas. He's looking at guys like Grossman, Goodrum, and Slate. I think that's Slater. Um Austin Slater of the Giants. You know, Nico Goodrum's well, got six or seven steals now. Detroit's so bad. They play him every day. He's more like a utility guy, but he might bat 230 this season. But Nico Goodrum could end up with like 12 homers and 22 steals. That'd be pretty valuable for a lot of people. Even on ESPN standard as your middle infielder, you can make a case for Nico Goodrum. So I would take him over Slater. And, uh, you know, Robbie Grossman doesn't have a whole lot of power. But in a points league, those walks add up. So I do like Robbie Grossman in a points league, which is ESPN standard, but in a rotor yeah. league, not so much. I don't think he's really a, he's not really fast. <laughs> he yeah. just steals bases because he's smart, you know, like the year Lance Berkman did, but I don't think he's, you know, he's not Miles Straw. Let's put it that way. Well, By the way, Miles Straw is bad. So. Very well said on Grossman because I forget who I was having this conversation with. I, I just don't see it. So many people were big on Robbie Grossman this preseason, but it is the points leagues where I think you're extracting the maximum value. I keep mentioning Tim LaCastro's sprint speed. The guy's amazing for that, and they are finding spots to play him. If you just need steals, that's what you're after. I don't have an issue with him. He knows how to get on base, mainly because he kind of leans into the pitches and gets hit by a pitch 20 times a year. We talked about Tyler O'Neill previously on the show. I still think he's very underrated in terms of the speed scores for you as well. There's nothing. I mean, among available hitters, there's mm-hmm. nothing that, that steals bases. Mm-hmm. It's bad. I mean, Dylan Moore is this close to losing his job. Look, like if you have to accept that it's going, you know, most of these players, especially the ones you're adding right now, are going to hurt you somewhere else. All right. What's next? Those Lance Berkman steals were so much fun. Yeah. It was one year. I my box score. It was so good. Yeah, Paul and Neil are like that too. Him, yeah. Paul O'Neill, Ryan Klesko. Remember that year? I remember that 20, 20 steal year. Yeah. I love it when guys like that's how you find speed. That those are the league winners. Not you. You get I twenty steals out of a place you thought you had four. I've got the one that Eric is going to love more than anyone else in history, Manny Machado. Excuse me. <laughs> He's good. We know about him. No, you I mean know. The we have the stolen base year. Remember? Yeah. And you uh, were he, on that. You were on that. Well, he was a guy who we knew could steal bases, and then he just didn't do it. Probably right. because of the injury. He went from like two to twenty. And right. he hasn't done that since. And yeah, Bisbee, you called me out he, for it because I said I thought he could, and he's not done it since. That was one year. year. The year after he stole 20, he stole zero. Zero, yeah. not a one. Yeah. <laughs> I know. One. So, like, what, what – basically, it tells you that stolen bases for most – for 98% of these guys is just I feel like stealing bases, and that's it. I can, I can prove to you that I can steal bases. By the way, Kelnick, if you look at his scouting grades – I'm not sure he has top shelf speed. I think it's more smarts on the base base pads. And what I'd worry a little bit about is that it sometimes is a learning curve for those players at the majors. So let's be a little careful on a gaudy stolen base projection. I think the most important thing is where's where do they bat him? Yes. Like they have one lefty power hitter and it's Seeger. Mm-hmm. Like you could make the case to back Kelly. He's not hitting. Second, not third, hitting. fourth, whatever you want to do, Seattle. I mean, Hanniger's a great leadoff guy. Are you going to back Kelnick second? Probably not. But Ty France isn't hitting. Like, I, I don't know where Kelnick bats in the lineup. Yeah. Where would maximize his value to you? You want him higher, second. obviously, right? I want him batting second. Yeah. 
because he can steal bases. He can still knock in runs. The American League is a DH. So, like, the lineup's extended, even if it's, like, you know, Louis Torrens batting ninth. But the point is, the number two lineup spot, people, is where you put your best hitter. Yep. In sim, in fantasy, whatever it is. Real managers, that's where they go. Yeah. And they don't do it. Some, some do. Some do. Some guy did that with a player named Cattell Marte, and he had this really lucky, crazy sim season. I don't know what kind of moron would like do that. like, for you. <laughs> I bet Yelich, like 57 homers. Too. I bet Yelich second in that same sim league. And you know, it's because I want him batting the most. And you had a huge year with him. Yep. He's one in MVP. Anyway, that's why I want to see Kelnick batting second, but I doubt that's what happens. Yeah. Mike knows you guys generally aim for the best player in a specific deal. Are you willing to seemingly overpay to get the top guy in a two for one sort of thing? Absolutely. Look, I don't care about overpaying. As I just mentioned, mentioned a half hour yeah, ago, I, I like I, I need what I need for my team. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it kind of depends. But I mean, let me make sure I get this correct. Um, yes, I am willing to overpay to get the guy I need, whether it's I need the strikeout guy in Peralta or I need a closer or I need a guy for the future. I've over, I overpay plenty of times because I don't care how it looks. I care how my team does. So if you're if, if your goal is to win a trade, it's the wrong goal. Mm-hmm. Tristan, you. You do a better job in trading than I do, but like you're willing to overpay when you need to, aren't you? And like, yeah. I know overpay is also like you can go a couple different ways. Like I look at a trade. Okay, there was a trade. I don't think this guy listens to the show. There was a trade in one one of our leagues yesterday where I texted you and Davey right away. I'm like, yep. oh my god, yep. like that was all right. Let's say it's a dynasty league. It's sin, yep. but it could easily be fantasy. Mookie Betts was traded for Jared Kelnick, Josh Young, and three high draft picks. The and top I first, three draft picks for the other team there, but the draft picks, remember, were 30 teams, so most meaningful so players. It's not the lost. same, but it's like it's a prospect related draft, yes. I could make the case for that trade being an overpay and an underpay. If Kalnick's great, that's fair. Yes. Moogie's great now, but the point is like he just wanted him because he's on his favorite team, Seattle. But yes. like you could if that if that's an overpay, that's okay because Kalnick and Jung could be really, really good. And but they're not right now. It was a huge homer trade, but I, I agree with you. You could make the case very easily for either side of those. And I do think you should aggressively overpay. I will say that you should do it more so the smaller the talent pool in your league. In other words, if it's a shallow mixed, you should be more aggressive in, in overpaying because the level of replacement is much higher. You can get guys to fill in the cracks at the back of your lineup. I want to maximize every roster spot I possibly can. The other thing too is, You mentioned that Sim League. So in the Keeper League that I play, the 12 team where we carry over 12 major league players a year, we've gotten stale on trades like this, that everybody throws out the, I'm looking for a two for one or three for one where I'm giving up the extra bodies, but they are not making the calculation that they should be overpaying, that they should be giving up guys who, if you're grading on a scouting scale of 20 to 80, if you're trying to get the 80 grade player, you should be giving up two guys who grade 65. You should not be giving up two players who grade 50. It's not just a, let's give you a big pile of my garbage for your one great player. You know, you know it. You know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about. And I want to ask you a follow-up question to what just happened yesterday. Because one guy in our league was not very pleased at that trade. Yeah. Does, a, does a fantasy owner or a sim owner or anything, manager, yeah. does he have an obligation to send the league an email or post somewhere saying, I am making Mookie Betts available all offers considered, or should he just do whatever he wants? How, I, do you, how Where do you stand on that? Yeah, I do not think that there's an obligation to do that. I think it's wise to do that. I also think it's unwise to do it if you're trying to get everybody to beef up the prices. You should not use people against each other to negotiate. I know, Look, there are people who believe you should. I don't. But if it was me and I was trading a player like Mookie Betts, I would say I'm strongly consider considering making a trade. You want to get an offer in, send one my way. I think that's the best way you get value, and that's the way you should put it. But he but wanted it's not an obligation. Count. You don't think no you think obligation, it's an obligation? But in hit no, I don't think there's an obligation, but I do agree it's wise. But in this case, he wanted Kelnick because he's a Mariners fan, so it worked out. And it might work out just fine. Right. We, we all know for two years. Right. But I think the trade is fair, actually. And yep. I, I think it's interesting that a lot of people don't. Anyway, moving on. Next question. We got two more here. Ryan's looking for a dynasty value check on Chris Paddock. Are we hitting rock bottom or did we simply overrate his ceiling initially? I don't want to say I'm out, man, but I am not Josh Altman, but I don't think I'm in on Chris Paddock anymore. 
unless right. something changes, like, are, is there something the way he looked in 2019 is not the way he looks now. I'm trying to think of somebody again, this is a guy who did he peak in 2019? He's not so much different than Solaire, but I bet I could look at a list of pitchers and say, that guy's never going to be the same as he was in 2019. And I, I look at Paddock that way a little bit. I'm like, what happened? Why, why did that, why is this happening with him? And I just don't see what's, what's so special anymore. I'm in. People are giving up on Chris Paddock. Give me a call. I'm happy to take your shares. Because why are you still in? What, what, what are you seeing? He's still, he's, he still is the ingredients of greatness. He needs to be allowed to let them thrive. And I, I mean, I'll say that the, the rock bottom was Saturday before that outing he did on Sunday where he threw three shutout innings. I think adding more curveballs to the mix is going to be the breakthrough for him. And if that happens three weeks from now, you know, and we're talking about it, then, you know, it's too late. I, I actually think right now is a great time to trade for him in a dynasty league because he's got an amazing changeup, kind of like Luis Castillo. We've talked about it before. I think he just needs to be allowed to use the proper pitch mix, which means more curves. That's I mean, it. you would think that the Padres would know that too. Like, I don't want to like, like presume like I, I did with Corey Kluber a month ago. It's over. I'm not saying that with Paddock. There's something there, but not like what we thought was there. That's what I'm saying. They're, they're trying to keep him in check. I understand it from the workload perspective, but this absence he had last week, presumably on the, I think he was on the COVID IL for the COVID protocols. I, I whatever it was on into undisclosed. I, I can't keep that stuff settled. It kept him on track for 120 inning pace for the year. So he is not being overworked. They've already done a good enough job. They need to let him thrive. I think this is a great time to trade for him in dynasty. Okay. Oh, in dynasty, but not in a redraft. It ain't I, think it's a good time, I think it's a good time to trade for him in a redraft, but I wouldn't go as deeply in. Okay. Last one here comes from Chance. He just traded for Robbie Ray. He wants to know if you think his newfound control is here to stay for the rest of the year. I'd like to tell you I know, but I don't know. Like, because with Robbie Ray, you never know. Yeah. But I'll tell you this. It, it seems unlikely to me that he ends up the season with a 1.13 whip. Like, doesn't that seem like he's he, he's weird. Like, he's not walking anybody. And he's striking people out. And he's giving up a ton of home runs. So it's like two years ago, but without the walks. Didn't he give up like 30 homers a couple of years ago with Arizona when he struck at like 230 or something? Uh, he's back to the, the striking people out. I don't know how he's doing this, but like basically instead of walking people, he's serving up home runs. I'm, I'm actually kind of in. I'm going to say, I, I like, I, Robbie Ray over Chris Paddock. I don't, that sounds crazy, but I think I might be doing that, you know, because Robbie Ray is going to miss bats. Hmm. And Chris Paddock's whip is terrible right now. So, uh, yeah, why not, Robbie Ray? I'm in on Robbie Ray. That's a really – yeah, you know, you've got me really intrigued now. Um, I mean, you're going to take Paddock because he's younger and we've already seen not greatness. Not necessarily. But like, I, I'm, I'm gonna Robbie Ray's going to strike out 200 hitters, Tristan. Like, like we've got to give him credit for that. Yeah, Robbie Ray's only blip that – only blip this year was he fell down the stairs – tending to one of his kids, if I understand correctly. It was a complete, complete fluke. He came in uh, thinner, more committed to his fitness, and he made a couple of tweaks with his pitching coach. And you know, you mentioned 113 whip. 113 whip would be his best pro number at any place that he's made more than one appearance for any stop any year of his pro career. He has a 67% first pitch strike rate. This is a guy for his career, he gets 58%. Huge improvement. And while I don't think a guy can be assumed to keep up that level of control dominance, I think hitters would begin to figure him out. Do you think he's regressing to 58? I don't. His stuff has changed. Something's changed with him. He's made a different. And by the way, we had this conversation slash argument on Josh Hader two months ago. Six of the 10 walks for Robbie Ray came in one game this mm -hmm. season. Mm -hmm. So if we're going to say that Josh Hader's fine for the walks last year. Which like, game? Do, do you remember which game it was? Yeah, I'm looking at it now. At Kansas City in his second outing of the season, he walked six. Didn't give up any runs. Fresh off the I.L. But he, yeah. yeah, like that was after the Yankee start and that's almost all his walks for the season. Yeah. Something's that's changed. The, I, the only part that scared me about Robbie Ray since I wrote about him in March was that he, he got this momentum sidetracked by that IL stint, which was completely fluky in nature. And I'm so happy to see that he turned it around in the two starts since then with you. You've, you've, I might very well now go into my ranks and, and switch those two around. All right. What do we got for trivia? Just put that poll out. I want to see what the people have to say. They're all going to take Paddock. Everybody's going to take Paddock over Ray. I'm going to lose that one. I know, but I think I'm You're gonna not win going to win it in real life. Anybody. And I think I'm on Paddock there. But what would what do you think the percentages will be? 
Oh, I think it'll be 80 to 20. Oh, it, okay. For Paddock. But, like, I don't think it should be. Tristan, you agree? I think this could be close. I, I agree that I think Paddock's going to win it, but I don't think it's going to – I think it's going to be a high 50% for Paddock. People just remember Robbie Ray for the walks. They forgot that he struck sure. out 240 hits. It's funny. I'm the opposite. I forgot the, the walks and just remembered the 200 and whatever it was, 30 strikeouts. We, But the thing is, there are a lot of fantasy managers who really do cling to yesterday. Just yesterday. Yeah, like you with Josh Bell. Okay. <laughs> that That was a little further ago than yesterday, but <laughs> – I see your point. Yeah. Josh Bell, not one of my better. Uh, Take Jared Walsh over Josh Bell, people. All right. Forget about uh, that one. We'll pay off. Did you have the rank that way? I'm going to call you out on that if you're going to try me. I'll bet you you had Josh Bell ranked ahead of Jared Walsh in the preseason. Don't make yeah. me look. <laughs> I bet that was pretty close, actually. It probably I had Josh was. Bell like number 200. You had him 100. I had him 200. I had him like I remember 130. That. All right. What's the trivia question again? Yeah, we'll pay off trivia. Two pitchers have at least six quality starts, but are not. Striking out a batter per inning this year. Who are they? There's only eight pitchers with six quality starts. So it's not I, I, big I mean, one of them has to be his boy, Kyle Gibson. Yeah, of course. Yep. Elite first name. Elite first name. He ha- he is on this list. God. <laughs> There's a hook for every trivia That's why question. we love you, Kyle. I, I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, who's the other one with all the... Uh... I keep thinking it's got to be Tywan Walker or Marcus Stroman, one of those guys. I mean, I'm thinking... Somebody's calling. Uh, Alcantara? Archetype. Alcantara. You're on like a trivia kick here. Alcantara is the other one. Wow. All right. He's calling you. Yeah. Somebody's <laughs> going to call. Somebody's I mean, because I only know because I have Alcantara in a couple leagues and I know he's going deep into games. But and now the other <laughs> Okay. Jeez. Someone really wants to talk to you, Tristan. It's Sergio. Yeah. Or, or his teammate, Pablo Lopez. All right, that seems like a good note to end the show. <laughs> Somebody's desperately trying to reach Tristan Cockroft right now. Um, <laughs> I can't even get this thing to shut off. Oh, it, no. It's amazing what's going on. This is live on our podcast. <laughs> I mean, if we don't win awards for this show, I don't know what is going on. Anyway, we're done. Have a great weekend, an awesome weekend. Thanks, as always, to Kyle Chatgod, Sapi, and Tristan <laughs> Happy with his phone works. Scott Croft. I am Eric Caramel. Enjoy your Mariners and have an awesome weekend.